The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Valerie had diabetes, Clay had CTE, Farley was getting regular allergy shots, and Ramos' wife said that he had back pain from a ski accident, so that's regular cortisone shots. Turns out Marcos had asthma. So that's five out of six. All of the diagnostic tests were being run through Catalyst. So that's what they have in common. Another thing that they had in common were the rashes. Each one of them had a rash. They're getting different treatments and different shots. In Catalyst, they don't manufacture medicine. They just run the blood. So how does that work? Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, June 23rd, 2022. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be All roads lead to vaccinations and to the Vax Pass. Since 2019 to the present, that has been the single, unalterable, never questioned or allowed to be questioned agenda of all of the Western governments. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure we're well past the two-week to flatten the curve timetable. And over the past several months, we've been distracted from the fundamental issue and controversy underlying all of the other issues that we've been talking about, whether about the Canadian election, the Ontario election, Ukraine, censorship, freedom of speech, health care, the truckers' freedom convoy, you name it. The so-called vaccination agenda is the driver underlying all of these issues in today's zeitgeist. Now, the last time we discussed the state vaccine agenda in a focused way was way back on January 13th. The theme of that broadcast was centered on Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau's hysterical insistence on vaccinating, quote-unquote, every person in the country. Regrettably, this mad agenda continues unabated, supported by all sitting parties, despite the realities that the so-called vaccines are proving themselves to be the deadliest and most dangerous concoction ever foisted on humanity, as we shall demonstrate right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of our social media links and archive broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. Now, last week's National Post ran two separate articles appearing side-by-side in the June 15 edition of that national newspaper, as well as in our local London Free Press edition. And that's what caught my attention, not just because of what was said, but also because of what was not said and what was implied. Nearly 15 million doses of vaccine left to expire, reads the headline in the paper on that day, with a subheading, Majority Set Aside for Global COVAX Donation, written by Christopher Nardi. Quote, The federal government had to throw out nearly 15 million expired COVID-19 vaccine doses, including nearly 14 million AstraZeneca shots donated to the COVAX Vaccine Sharing Alliance last year. 
According to a document tabled in the House of Commons last week, the government disposed of roughly 1.2 million doses of Moderna vaccines that expired either in mid-March or mid-April of this year. But that wastage is just a drop in the bucket compared to the nearly 13.6 million doses of AstraZeneca vaccines that the government donated to other countries last year and that sat in the manufacturer's warehouses until they expired, according to new data provided to the National Post by Health Canada. (laughs) There's a trustworthy pair of sources. That is because, despite a series of donations being proudly announced by the Trudeau government back in July 21, including 17.7 million doses of AstraZeneca, it turns out that the global vaccine-sharing alliance COVAX was already awash in AstraZeneca when Canada's doses were donated. COVAX, short for COVID-19 Vaccines Global Access, is a joint initiative from the World Health Organization, the Gavi Vaccine Alliance, and the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations. Its goal was to have countries pool their COVID-19 vaccine resources to ensure equitable vaccine distribution worldwide, namely to developing countries. End quote. Now let me stop there for a moment to reflect on this sheer incompetence and abject ignorance that this situation represents. This is what always happens when any state or government messes around with the law of supply and demand. The wastage being referred to here is not the number of doses that thankfully went unused, because that's just a consequence of the real wastage. The money we spend on our politicians to do anything is the real wastage. This is what centralized management and control does to every economic activity. It destroys it. So while we have millions of unused vaccinations available to us, the doctor shortage created by the advent of socialized medicine back in 1969 for Ontario has steadily gotten worse and worse with each passing year. And since the vaccines are proving to be deadly, this could really be the political way to rebalance the supply of doctors to the demand of much fewer patients who survive the shots or who don't take them in the first place. Yeah, I'm being a bit sarcastic, but hey, if the shoe fits. But the article continues, and turning to page two, the subheading reads, Absorption Challenges in Recipients. Hmm, and I'm thinking, absorption? What the hell is that? In the context of vaccines, my first impression was that those getting injected weren't absorbing the vaccines well enough into their bodies and therefore weren't being effectively treated. But no, apparently absorption is an economic term. Did you know that? Quote, A Health Canada spokesman provided a different explanation for the failure to distribute the AstraZeneca shots, blaming low demand, as well as vaccine hesitancy and distribution challenges in recipient countries. Due to the limited demand for the vaccine and recipient country challenges with distribution and absorption, they were not accepted. Canada continues to work with COVAX to help address barriers to vaccination, Health Canada spokeswoman Charlene Sleeman wrote in an email, end quote. Well, you know, the use of terms like vaccine hesitancy, which means nothing, or failed absorption, which means the same nothing, or barriers to vaccination, which means the same nothing, again, terms all being used to avoid acknowledging the real something, low demand. That's why they use them. Or in other words, nobody wants the damn injections, and with good reason, and not because of vaccine hesitancy. 
Here's what Dr. Roger Hodgkinson had to say on this one. The vaccines were not needed. They're experimental. They weren't tested. They didn't work. And they're killing people. That's all you have to know about the vaccine. Everything about that was a disaster. And it's still continuing with children and pregnant women, our most precious assets, being injected with an unknown toxic substance as I am talking now. That has never, ever happened in medicine before. And it's a red line that you do not cross. And to suggest that blaming low demand is a different explanation from the picture painted earlier. Millions of unused vaccines is BS. It's the same explanation, but expressed in the proper words required to describe why the vaccines sit wasted. Now here is a real perpetual distraction. Quote, Conservative MP Kelly McCauley said the wasted donated shots are proof of liberal mismanagement. It's unfortunate COVAX could not use them. It's also unfortunate that we bought so much AZ that taxpayers' dollars were effectively wasted, McCauley said. It's like everything else with the liberals. A for announcement, D for delivery, he added. It's unfortunate that they took such an important issue and made it a PR stunt rather than a sincere effort to help poor countries that did not so massively, massively overpurchase as Canada did. At the onset of vaccine development, and before it was known which shots would be approved for use, Canada signed advanced purchase agreements with seven different manufacturers worth over $9 billion. Those APAs allowed them to reserve doses of vaccines before they existed. The deals guaranteed Canada would receive more than 500 million shots, or enough to vaccinate every single Canadian over 10 times. According to documents tabled in Parliament last week, Canada procured and made 153.4 million COVID shots available as of April 21st. At the same time, just over half, or 83 million, had been administered. Our strategy worked, giving people in Canada early access to safe and effective vaccines. We were among the first countries to start vaccinating, and we now have one of the highest coverage rates in the world, Sleeman said. Quote. Oh, really? Then how does Sleeman explain these facts, as presented by Dr. Paul Merrick of the Children's Health Defense on June 4th? Data from Israel and data from the national health system in the UK, so this is official data, show that those who vaccinated are more likely to get COVID and be hospitalized than the unvaccinated. Mm. So let me say that again. These vaccines provide negative protection, you're more likely to get COVID if you vaccinated. And this is data from the national health system in the UK, as well as from from Israel. So this persistent narrative of safe and effective is a complete and utter lie. They're ineffective and they're dangerous and they're not safe. There's absolutely, at this time, no group of patients who would actually benefit from the vaccine. None. But, continues the article, Macaulay criticized the Libbers by so much of everything strategy as a disappointing loss of taxpayers' money. Canada has one of the highest vaccine uptakes in the world, with over 80% of adults receiving at least two shots. 
but the lion's share of those shots were either Pfizer or Moderna, meaning other shots are likely to sit in freezers for the foreseeable future unless they're handed off elsewhere. Both Can and Sleeman said in their statements that as global vaccine availability increases, a certain number of doses will go to waste before they're used. The most recent wasted dose numbers do not include those that expired while in the hands of the provinces, meaning there could be many more lost doses that are unaccounted for, end quote. Wow. And the fact that the government bought so many vaccines before they were even produced and before any information about any pandemic was even possible to examine is absolute proof of a pre-planned pandemic conspiracy. Now, in the article immediately to the right of the expired vaccine doses article, we learn from an article under the heading, Some Travel Mandates End, Industry Seeks More Help, that vaccinations are no longer needed for domestic travel, but that masking is still required. Writes Ryan Tumulty, quote, The federal government ended COVID-19 vaccine mandates for domestic travelers and public servants on Tuesday, but airlines say the changes won't be enough to bring the chaos at the country's airports to an end. Effective June 20, Canadians will no longer need to be vaccinated to travel domestically on either trains or planes, but the requirement will remain in place for international arrivals. Foreign nationals who aren't vaccinated will still be refused entry, and unvaccinated Canadians will be allowed in but will have to quarantine. Transport Minister Omar Algebra said the government won't apologize for taking its time to make a decision that keeps Canadians safe. End quote. You know, the sheer idiocy of these stupid and irrational rules is a reflection of the minds of the people who come up with them. Quote, After a thoughtful, deliberate, prudent discussion, we've reached this decision. It's what Canadians expect us to do. We will always err on the side of public health, he said. End quote. Well, you know, keeping Canadians safe from natural processes is not ever any government's job. The government's job is to keep us free and safe from predators like Big Pharma. So long as public health is the justification, being wrong is perfectly okay. That's what he just said. Quote, Algebra said there were a variety of factors, not any one metric like hospitalizations or new COVID cases, that led to the removal of mandates, and he would not detail what conditions might lead to their reinstatement. Our job as a national government has always been to keep Canadians safe. If the situation takes a turn for the worse, we are prepared to bring back the policies necessary to protect Canadians, said Intergovernmental Affairs Minister Dominic LeBlanc. <laughs> In other words, we're fascists and we don't believe in individual rights or freedom. That's what he's saying. The government is keeping mask rules in place for travel. Algebra said they believe strongly that masks lower the risk of catching COVID-19 and are worth keeping in place, end quote. Well, both of those beliefs, quote unquote, are utterly false. Where is the evidence? They have none because there is none and they've never shown us any. Therefore, strong beliefs make up for this lack of evidence, apparently. But the evidence demonstrates that masks increase the risk of catching any virus. And COVID-19, by the way, is not a virus, nor is it transmittable or catchable. COVID-19 is the name of the condition that arose, name of a disease, ostensibly caused by the SARS-CoV-2 virus, which has never been isolated, yet has so many variants since, in any case, it's, it's, it's ancient history. And the variants, by the way, are all political. 
and Intergovernmental Affairs Minister Dominic LeBlanc is one of them. Quote, Health Minister Jean-Yves Duclos said that while the government is dropping the mandate, everyone should still get vaccinated. He said the government will make a major push this summer to get people up to three doses of the vaccine to give them better protection, end quote. Better protection against what? Well, they haven't decided yet, but apparently something called monkeypox may be their next fairy tale narrative. Quote, the Omicron variant showed us that two doses are no longer enough because the immunity acquired through two doses varies and wanes over time, he said. There are approximately 60% of adults in Canada that have a third dose. We need to move that up significantly, at least to what we have had for the last few months in terms of second doses, end quote. And to which I must respond, why? What the hell are you talking about? And that last statement was a complete admission that the so-called vaccines, no matter how many doses you take, do not create any immunity to anything whatsoever. And that's the reality. Period. Every one of the people who were mentioned in this article are spreading false information and promoting a deadly substance. They should be arrested and put on trial for criminal conspiracy and for a lot worse. Do none of these idiots remember that the AstraZeneca injections were the ones that were withdrawn very early in the government's injection agenda because adverse effects were showing up too quickly for them to keep justifying that particular brand. But they carried on with the others. Blood clots and heart attacks and kidney failures be damned. And now people are dropping dead in their tracks, and we suddenly have a new phenomenon to deal with. Sudden adult death syndrome. And anyone who buys that piece of excrement has to be stupid. And that's the very question asked by both Neil Oliver on this side of our upcoming bumper and Mark Stein in conversation with Eva Vlardingerbroek on the return side of the bumper. The question is this, are we stupid or are we just being treated as if we're stupid? How long will they keep trying to tell us two plus two equals five when so many of us can see that the answer is plainly four Spanish newspaper El Mundo and other news agencies reported last week that José María Fernández Sousa Faro, president of European pharmaceuticals giant PharmaMar, was among 2,200 Spanish elites and celebrities investigated by police for allegedly paying thousands of euros to be injected with a saline solution, salt water, instead of any of the COVID vaccines, and so had their names added falsely to the National Immunisation Registry. This alone is a brewing scandal of note that a company president involved in researching COVID vaccines allegedly and at the very least did not feel it necessary or important to get vaccinated should make us ask another question. Did that big pharma boss think or have reasons to believe that the vaccines were unsafe perchance? Hey Jose, why go to all the trouble and expense of dodging the jab when everyone else in the world is being told by your lot and the rest that it's safe and that, you know, no one's safe until everyone's jabbed. What's the problem, Jose? I, for one, would like to know the answer to that question. Maybe while we're on the subject, we might pause and wonder who else among the great and the good may have chosen to dodge the bullet and take the saline instead. Daily Mail Online carried a headline on the 8th of June. Healthy young people are dying suddenly and unexpectedly from a mysterious syndrome as doctors seek answers through a new national register. 
This is SADS, an acronym that stands for Sudden Adult Death Syndrome. And according to the Royal Australian College of GPs, it occurs most commonly in people under 40. This is properly scary. I don't mind telling you. Healthy young people are going to their beds of an evening and not waking up ever again, or otherwise going about their everyday business and dropping dead for no identifiable medical reason. The best anyone in the health professions can apparently do is describe it as mysterious, baffling even. That there are people under 40 dropping in their traces for no known cause. At the same time around the world, there have been reports of many hundreds of sportsmen and women dying suddenly and unexpectedly in the past year. Superfit individuals uniquely focused on their own health, keeling over dead, often on the field of play. Here at home, we have had updated information campaigns about how important it is to be aware of the incidence of heart attacks and strokes. It has been deemed appropriate to remind us as well that heart attacks are not unknown in children. It's almost as if we're not to be unduly alarmed by the sight of passers-by dropping to their knees and clutching at their chests. Elsewhere, there's a poster campaign about a rise in the number of cases of shingles. The small print on the posters mentions shingles may strike people with lowered immune systems. Fancy that. Deaths have been attributed by coroners to the COVID vaccines. The numbers are disputed, but people have died on account of the jabs. That much at least is undeniable. Around the world, there are millions of cases of alleged adverse reactions to the jabs, lives severely compromised in some cases. I won't get into the numbers because those are always disputed too, but the facts remain. People are dying. The elephant in the room here is the COVID-19 vaccines. And again, I make no apology at all about banging on about this topic week after week. The push to move on, to leave all talk of COVID and pandemic behind us is palpable and I would say downright sinister. I'm nowhere near ready to move on. Not while there is still so much we do not know, so much we're not allowed to say, think and ask. We're told all about COVID-19 and all manner of ways in which it might affect health long after a person has recovered from the initial infection. But as well as the pandemic, the other momentous arrival among us, indeed in just the past year and a half, is the biggest mass vaccination campaign in the history of the world. Vaccination with products that had emergency approval but in my opinion are experimental and for which no long-term data is available on account of their being brand new and just out of the box. Billions of people around the world have submitted to the procedure in a coercive and bullying atmosphere created by politicians and the media that was mandatory in feel, if not in fact. Unknown and unknowable numbers of people did so simply to keep their jobs, to get on a plane and go on holiday or to a gig and yet, in the midst of one report after another of otherwise unexplained sudden deaths in the past 18 months or so, the only emergent variable, the only new thing in the world that we're not allowed to discuss, absolutely not allowed to discuss, far less point accusatory fingers at, is the mass vaccination programme. Again, I ask the question I posed at the top of this piece. Are we stupid? Or are we just being treated as if we're stupid? Which is it? Ava, you, uh, I think you mentioned uh, just uh, on Twitter in the last day or two, th this whole idea of having to get a medical 
intervention when you don't have a medical reason to get it. This was a headline in Euro Weekly. Doctors baffled by increase in sudden adult death syndrome. I mean, are they are they that stupid, or or are they uh, or are they they just feel oh we can't possibly connect all these dead young and middle-aged people over here with all these mass vaccinations over there? What 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 they must know surely. Yes, I don't think that they're stupid. I think that they think we are stupid. And I mean, they're kind of right. I mean, sudden adult death syndrome, really? Uh, this is ba basically the new one. We had a couple of months ago, right, when it was Christmas, they said, oh, there are a lot of people dying from heart attacks and it might be uh, because of the, the Christmas trees in your house. Uh, I've seen mm. headlines where they mm. said, oh, it's climate change that now causes all of these heart attacks. Mm. I've seen post-pandemic mm. stress disorder is causing heart attacks. These people are laughing at us. They think that we're stupid. And, you know, the thing is, is I can't, I understand that a lot of people have trouble saying these things because, as you said, they will come after you when you try and uncover the truth. And also, it's very hard to speak out about the truth and say, hey, maybe we should call a spade a spade here and two plus two is four. And the only thing that changed in the past couple of months is the fact that everyone took this vaccine. You can't say that because there are no real studies for these correlations. You know, we just have suddenly all mm. these extra deaths and we know no we have no idea why but we do know that it's not the vaccine that's the one thing that they can tell you for sure and i think there are plenty of reasons understandable yeah. reasons as to why they're trying to hide this truth from us all of these talks about the the deaths that we had to prevent with covid and that's why it was so necessary that you would take this vaccine well they never talk about how many deaths were caused by the lockdown in and of itself you know so it's very clear that these mm. people really don't care about uh, about us whatsoever and there are too many powerful institutions and stakeholders involved here that all have huge interests in us not knowing what the side effects are of this vaccine and what the dangerous uh, consequences of it of these vaccines are and, and and will be in the future obviously the government our governments have forced this vaccine on us uh, you were basically a second class citizen if you didn't take it and well i mean if it turns out that these governments have been giving citizens something that is forcing citizens to take something that is dangerous for their health can you imagine the uproar that that would cause and well for them also, they would be losing power if that comes out. Big Pharma, it's very clear, the money that's involved in this is unfathomable. They want us to keep on taking these booster shots. Obviously, this is something they can make tremendous amounts of money uh, from in the next couple of years to come. So we shouldn't know that this is dangerous for us. And even apart from the government and Big Pharma, just ordinary people, think about how many people have taken this vaccine and how hard it must be mentally to grasp the idea that you might have taken something that is bad for you and that could cause you all sorts of health problems in the future and not just you, also your children. So the cognitive dissonance there is yeah. huge and understandably so. More cognitive dissonance, anyone? As you already know, sudden adult death syndrome, SADS, is the bastard child of sudden infant death syndrome, SIDS. And both, believe it or not, may very well be the consequence of vaccines. Even the real vaccines that are unlike the experimental jabs being foisted on everyone today. The following excerpt I'm about to share with you 
is part of a 30-page or so study, of which I've got a copy, and which can be found on the site of sciencedirect.com. And it pretty much summarizes the gist of the study and should be great cause for alarm, particularly in light of the sudden appearance of SADS. And the headline reads, Vaccines and Sudden Infant Death. An analysis of the VAERS database, 1990-2019, to and review of the medical literature by Neil Z. Miller. And I quote, Although there is considerable evidence that a subset of infants has an increased risk of sudden death after receiving vaccines, health authorities eliminated prophylactic vaccination as an official cause of death. So medical examiners are compelled to misclassify and conceal vaccine-related fatalities under alternate cause of death classifications. In this paper, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, VAERS, database was analyzed to ascertain the onset interval of infant deaths post-vaccination. Of 2,605 infant deaths reported to VAERS from 1990 through 2019, 58% clustered within three days post-vaccination and 78.3% occurred within seven days post-vaccination, confirming that infant deaths tend to occur in temporal proximity to vaccine administration. The excess of deaths during these early post-vaccination periods was statistically significant. While the findings in this paper are not proof of an association between infant vaccines and infant deaths, they are highly suggestive of a causal relationship. Listen to this. Prior to the introduction of organized vaccination programs, crib death, quote-unquote, was so rare that it was not mentioned in infant mortality statistics. In the United States, national immunization campaigns were expanded in the 1960s when several new vaccines were introduced and promoted. For the first time in history, most U.S. infants were required to receive several doses of DPT, diphtheria, pertussis, tetanus, polio, and measles vaccines. The measles vaccine was administered at nine months of age from 1963 to 1965. Mumps and rubella vaccines were also introduced in the 1960s. By 1969, an alarming epidemic of sudden unexplained infant deaths impelled researchers to create a new medical term, sudden infant death syndrome, SIDS. By 1972, SIDS had become the leading cause of postneonatal mortality, infant deaths occurring between 28 days and one year of life in the United States. In 1973, the National Center for Health Statistics, operated by the CDC, created a new cause of death category to document deaths due to SIDS. SIDS is defined as the sudden and unexpected death of an infant which remains unexplained after a thorough investigation, including performance of an autopsy and review of the clinical history. Although there are no specific symptoms associated with SIDS, an autopsy often reveals congestion of the lungs and inflammatory changes in the respiratory system. In 1984, Congress held a hearing on vaccine safety. The suspected link between vaccines and sudden infant deaths was addressed. The following excerpt is from a statement made by a disfraught grandmother testifying before the Congressional Committee. My name is Donna Gary. Our granddaughter, Lee Ann, was just eight weeks old when her mother took her to the doctor for her routine checkup. That included her first DPT inoculation and oral polio vaccine. 
In all her entire eight weeks of life, this lovable, extremely alert baby had never produced such a blood-curdling scream as she did at the moment the shot was given. Neither had her mother ever before seen her back arch as it did while she screamed. She was inconsolable. Four hours later, Leanne was dead. Crib death, the doctor said. SIDS. Could it be connected to the shot? Her parents implored. No. But she just had her first DPT shot this afternoon. Could there possibly be any connection to it? No, no, no connection at all, the emergency room doctor said definitely. Throughout the 1980s, sudden infant deaths continued to skyrocket. Parental concerns about an apparent link between childhood vaccines and SIDS reached a fever pitch. Many parents were afraid to vaccinate their babies. Authorities sought to reassure parents that vaccines are safe and claimed that sudden unexplained infant deaths following vaccines were merely coincidental. End quote. Is any of this beginning to sound a bit familiar? Coming up next some Pfizer propaganda explaining how science will win, followed immediately by Dr. Mike Eden in conversation with Majid Nawaz this past June 12th. Affecting approximately 400 million people worldwide, collectively, rare diseases are rare. They're common. What's rare is the attention they get. We're invested in changing that. 80% of rare diseases are genetic, Instead of treating symptoms, we are targeting the source. When a gene doesn't work as expected, it can result in debilitating, even life-threatening diseases. We're developing highly specialized gene therapies that have the potential to deliver custom-made medicine directly to the root of the problem, the affected cells. These potential therapies are designed to encourage those cells to produce the proteins and enzymes they need to function fully. Through a single administration, gene therapies are created to correct irregular genes, which may prevent these diseases from progressing or reducing their severity. Our dedicated team of scientists is laser-focused on delivering these potentially transformational therapies, giving patients and their families a chance to say, science will win. As Pfizer's former pop global chief science officer for the company in the world, in, in dealing with respiratory illnesses, right? Dealing with respiratory illnesses. Yeah. What are the claims, the headline claims you're making about what we've learned about COVID? Yeah. First, you've been lied to about the magnitude of the threat represented by this entity called SARS-CoV-2 and the disease COVID-19. Been lied to about that uh, in every way, shape and form. We've been lied to and it's deliberate and they knew it and no action was needed whatsoever other than if you're sick, stay home. That's it. The only things you should be frightened of are your government's reactions to this alleged threat and the vaccines themselves. So the second part of my claim is that all the measures they imposed upon us made us take like locking down, uh, masking, things like that. Every one of those is ineffective, absolutely ineffective. They knew that before they told us to do it. And then finally, you know, you heard, I'm sure, quite early on, the only way out of this nightmare is vaccinate the whole world. And, you know, here are these safe and effective vaccines. Well, one, it was never necessary to vaccinate the world, even if you had wanted to use them, and even if they were safe and effective. But they were neither effective nor safe. So I'm afraid everything is a lie, literally. So, but the, but the, the key thing was we were lied to 
about the lethality. And let me let me tell you to the, the audience two things. One is you may remember um, a falling man in Wuhan. Uh, it, it appeared on the news, the guy stumbling along and then going face down in the dust. Um, and we, it, it was implied this guy died of COVID-19. I remember myself seeing this. And I, I don't think I saw the absurdity in it because it was obviously an actor. Well, Let me just explain. If, if, if someone gets flu, um, you, you start off, you wake up one day and you don't feel great or you progressively notice you don't feel well during the day, and then overnight you have coughing and sneezing. The next day you feel awful. You'll stumble around, maybe have a couple of lem sips and some paracetamol. Uh, so basically, you don't go from being upright and able to walk along to a point where a moment later you, you, you're unconscious and dead on your face. That's not how flu kills anybody. It's never killed anyone like that, not in 1918 and not in COVID-19. That was theatre to strike fear into the hearts of Anyone who watched it, it's like, oh, my God, there's this virus that's come out of China, maybe from an animal in the wet market, God knows what. And look, it's this guy's stumbling along and then he's just gone face down and died, a youngish person by the look of them. So that was one piece of theatre that they used. Then they, I remember they were chasing around the city. People were wearing, you know, full chemical, biological, nuclear hazard suits. Uh, and they were spraying something from their wands all on the sides of lorries, spraying the streets of we don't spray anything for, for viruses. We never have. We've, we haven't during this one. That was theatre too, folks. For mosquitoes, you might do that, but not for flu. What were they spraying? Yeah. Water, probably. Now, what I'd like you to do is give you the stage now, because this is really, I think, probably why our audience would tune into you, because of your, of your Pfizer background. Pfizer data is being released as we speak, and only because a, a court ordered them to release this data. They tried to hold it back for 75 years. What we have found is that there were 1,200 deaths within the first three months of their trials. They tried to withhold that information from the public. A judge had to order that to be uh, released. You're going beyond the side effects. You're saying, yes, side effects are bad, but you're saying the damn thing doesn't work in the first place. It was said a long time ago that the dose makes the poison. Almost everything, we knew from ancient Greeks that uh, you know, things that you could derive from plants, if you used them in the right dose, could produce you know, benefits, relieving pain, making helping people sleep, removing inflammation. But if you had the wrong dose, it could poison you. Same thing. And so it's a matter of getting the right amount of, of interaction with the target to help you and, and not interacting with a target that will hurt you. There are, there are no gene-based vaccines on the market for very good reasons. Uh, and that's one of the problems. But let's say you could like pull it, pull it apart. You could pull the spike off. You could pull the, the ball in the middle of this virus. Which bit would you give to people? Well, you don't need to answer it, but what you would do is ask, what's the toxicity of the bit I'm going to give to a person? So if I told you that the spike protein, like a floating landmine, a sea mine in the sea with the spike sticking out, if I told you that we've known for more than a decade that the spike bits from related viruses had unwanted biology that could cause blood to coagulate, that could activate platelets and make blood clot. That's true. If you knew those things, you'd think, well, probably a bad idea then to give them the spike to train on. Let's give them the nucleo, let's give them the coating around the nucleus or something, or the capsid, you know, the cap on the end of the protein. So they, the fact that they chose spike protein, a gene for spike protein, make your body become a manufacturing center briefly to make that virus spike protein. That's the first mistake. Because yeah, you're, you're, they, you're saying we've known for 
for years oh, yeah. the spike protein causes blood clots. Yeah. Which, by the way, now that's out there, right? So we know that yes. um, Johnson & Johnson at Moderna, yes. uh, AstraZeneca in particular, now Britain under 40, so causes so, blood clots. Now you can get why I was so frantic in December 2020. I remember. A, with a public health I was trying to get doctor. you on my previous gig, my yeah. previous show, and there were pushback. People thought you were a conspiracy Exactly. Theory. So with, well, there was a public health doctor that is a public health doctor in Germany, Dr. Wolfgang Vodarg. You might want to try yeah. and interview him. W-O-D-A-R-G. Uh, and he right. was public health doctor and uh, a, a politician during the swine flu pandemic in 2009. And some, some very similar things that happened in COVID were happening in 2009. It's a very interesting experience. Uh, he and I think 2009 was the final dress rehearsal for COVID. But guess what? Moderna picks spike protein. Oh, and so does Pfizer and AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson. Yeah. So I put it to you, colleagues. Now, any scientists out there or just logical people, how the hell would they pick? No team I was ever part of would ever have picked bloody spike protein for this virus, this vaccine. And you know what? If we, if we did and we had competing groups, we would not all four of us make mistake. The same mistake is not possible. Good job discoverers. It's not a mistake. Mike, can you not that's mistake. not a mistake then? So I believe it's collusion yeah. and malfeasance. They did it on purpose, knowing it would hurt you. Here's, here's something that's very important for you to know. It's really important. Here's the correct number, Majid, and listeners. Here's the correct number of important statements public health officials and politicians should tell you about some threats and things you should do about it. And the answer is zero. He got allergy shots every week for years. Here you go. Thank you. But you said his behavior only changed recently. Yeah. Well, more like intensified. Anything about the shots change? Anything out of the ordinary? No. Well, three weeks before Nathan was murdered, his doctor called and said he was due for a flu shot, so I arranged a traveling nurse service for him. A nurse came and gave it to him. And did Nathan have a reaction to that injection? I think so. One sec. Here it is. Three days later, he had me pick up hydrocortisone. He broke out in hives. Also, I don't know. The nurse guy, he was different. How? Really big guy. Intense. I asked him if he had any extra doses because I thought I'd get a flu shot too, but he said no. He didn't have any extra doses. I mean, that's weird, right? Yeah. It was him. This was the person that gave Nathan Farley the injection? Yeah. Yeah. Really creeped me out. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. It's too bad that all of the people who dispense injections don't creep us out. Because the creepiest people are the ones willing and able to kill you with a smile on their faces and assurances that they really care about you. You know, the lesson to be learned here is that even those vaccines thought to be perfectly, quote-unquote, safe and effective are not and never were. And quite frankly, the whole principle of preventative medicine is fundamentally flawed. 
and I've talked about this in the past and will again in the future. There's simply no objective way to prove that any vaccine in any specific instance, quote-unquote, prevented anything. The fact that someone remains healthy after receiving a vaccine doesn't mean that they wouldn't have remained healthy without the vaccine. The evidence of vaccine death and injuries is overwhelming to anyone capable of seeing past the mainstream media's hypnotic lies. The numbers tell us that the vaccines have already caused a 20% increase in deaths. Now we have a, r a run rate of about 20% excess mortality. That's confirmed by uh, the CDC numbers, the funeral home numbers, and the insurance company numbers. And then somebody did an independent study I saw recently suggesting 20% is the number. So we're running at 20% excess deaths. And a 10% increase in disabilities. This is a stunning number. You're telling yeah. me that things been flat for five years of 29 million and all of a sudden out of the data, they got three million people are disabled out of nowhere? Correct. And now we are beginning to understand that this is just the beginning. Things are going to get much, much worse. Many of us have already seen the mysterious objects found in the vials of COVID vaccines by two separate independent groups using electron microscopy. We are also familiar with the rising number of strokes, heart attacks, and other side effects experienced worldwide after the biggest experimental vaccination in history. And now we are getting a first glimpse of what is causing all this. Something in the COVID vaccines seems to be growing within the recipient's vascular system. Anomalous objects are being discovered in the dead bodies of the vaccinated by embalmers and coroners. Horrific things being grown inside the veins and arteries. These are not blood clots, and they appear to be some sort of organic material with small crystals and extremely thin wires made up of what looks like reptilian scales. This internal blockage growing within the vaccinated would certainly explain all of the deadly side effects we are seeing today. What the mainstream media is currently spinning as sudden adult death syndrome. We do not know what these things are, but they are being found by embalmers and coroners everywhere, except Pretty much all of them are too afraid to speak out, or they don't care. Only one has shown the courage to speak out so far. And this is the real tragedy. For those who remain silent, things will not get better. The FDA is poised to authorize these deadly vaccines to children as young as six months old. And humanity does nothing. Today, we want to provide an update on a topic that I know many parents and grandparents are focused on. The potential for the first COVID-19 vaccines for kids under five. We have waited a long time for this moment. Well, guys, uh, here's some good news. The Biden administration has finally announced a vaccine rollout plan for children under five, and they've ordered 10 million doses. That's great. <laughs> Right now, kids are like, oh my gosh, we can finally meet up for drinks. <laughs> yep, as we speak, everyone in the lollipop industry is like, we're buying a yacht, here we go! You get a lollipop, you get one. It's very exciting to hear a four-year-old scream, Facebook told me Bill Gates controls the vaccines. You go, okay, shoot. <laughs> Why should we deserve anything other than pain and suffering if we do nothing to protect our own children? 
Once those afraid of speaking out begin seeing their coroner tables filled with dead children, it will be too late. But it's not too late now. If you are an embalmer, a coroner, or a funeral director, and you are seeing these things, there is still time to save the lives of our innocent children. You can start now by contacting Dr. Jane Ruby at ProtonMail.com. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Something I'm encouraging us to all do as a community is moving forward to try and bring this to a close is um, being less uh, less general and more specific. And um, I hope in this conversation I can highlight some new villains that are straight out of, you know, sort of Marvel comic land, um, which is just unbelievable that our lives now sort of like real life is far more dramatic. And it, the evilness that lurks amongst us, um, the big screen can hardly even capture, you know, where we are currently uh, in a time period in history, it 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 gets to the point where most some days I, it's it's so surreal that I have to check in with myself, and I'm like, is this really happening? Like, how how is this happening? And I think a lot of us have those moments. The questions that I get all the time is, you know, originally before you know, there was any suspicion that this was a bioweapon because of my work uh, that involves counterterrorism and uh, which um, obviously includes uh, bio bioterrorism prevention and response. I sort of looked at the problem very differently from others right at the beginning, even to the extent that people were saying, is this a bioweapon? And then they were turning to me and they're saying, Doc, you know, help us out here. We're getting these questions from people, you know, uh, is it or isn't it? And what was interesting is that right off the bat, like a lot of people, it, it, there was too many tells uh, uh, to ever begin calling this uh, a natural uh, pandemic or natural uh, infection. And for those that are um, sort of very savvy with world history, I think what it does for a lot of people is that it makes you go back into history and you can start asking your questions like which pandemics actually ever were just natural. You know, um, have they all been, in in a sense, human-made? And I don't necessarily mean that. Um, I think there's a difference in the way that I tackle these problems, and that I'm so um, I'm so anchored to science um, that it's often frustrating for people that I won't go to places that are unprovable. I mean, a question, I mean, an example of that is an easy one, like graphene oxide. I just won't have a comment on graphene oxide until it's analyzed, until it's there's uh, definitive proof from multiple sources that we've got graphene oxide in there. It's really not worth me talking about because what it does is it creates doubt on the things that you then certain of. And there's enough that we need to be certain of, and there's enough that we already know about it that's uh, highly problematic. And I mean, we're all seeking the truth, and there's only one way uh, that the truth sets us free, which is ultimately we should be very clear when we're saying a maybe, and um, and it looks like, and it seems, versus, okay, well, this is the hard facts. And even that, a great scientist will say, this is what I know today. I could be wrong. One day in history, what we'll see is that this was an elaborate attack. It's the second part of what Adolf Hitler started. It is the ending point of this stage of eugenics. What has to sink in for people, and, I, and we're almost there, I think that people describe what's happening to us, and I think people use the word pandemic, but I think people should get more comfortable with knowing, one, we're at absolute war. This is war. This is what modern-day warfare looks like.
We talk about people like Charles Schwab, but these are, these are the hyenas. They, they're very low-level players. And I know that we can't really refer to them that and that because we don't want to diminish the power we think that, that they have. But they know their role on, on the chessboard. They are not kings and queens. There are actual kings and queens behind this. I think that part of it is that long-term strategy from royalty takes hundreds of years to execute, but they're always on the march. They're always uh, colonizing. They're always reclaiming their land. And they'll let people think that they want it over. You know, in a similar way that we did that to first drive people around the world. We let them feel like, okay, well, now you can settle in and, and, and we'll put you on this reservation and everything will be okay. The original pathology of the animal experiments makes um, SARS-CoV-2 a binary bomb. You don't get the destruction from the initial chemicals. You get the destruction when other chemicals are then added. And so the way that worked actually with the animal experiments that when they did it and all the animals died, which is why it took them so long to get it to this point, and the original mRNA technology and the original coronaviruses were always destined to fail, is what, what they would do is they would inject their quote-unquote vaccine, their attempt at a vaccine. But the issue that they found, that they never fixed this, and you can see this now happening in real time by the data, is that when somebody had been vaccinated, when a coronavirus was then introduced to them, that's when the death was triggered. So for everybody out there that's bragging that they've been vaccinated and they don't have symptoms, what they don't realize is that's the equivalent of not waking up in a house fire. These people are patting themselves on the back after over 6 million people are dead. We haven't even seen the real death toll of the pandemic. From the end of February, so that would have been the full month of March and the full month of April, all-cause mortality in Australia, a very highly vaccinated, forced population to be vaccinated, a very healthy population before the pandemic, the all-cause mortality in those two months is up by 20% death. 20%. I mean, that is, it is almost unimaginable what that looks like. And a way for people to understand what that looks like is talk to a funeral director and find out how currently how busy they are right now and that they've run out of spaces in morgues and funeral homes. It's big business to be burying people right now and they're not keeping up. I think we're in the midst of a really bad crisis and very difficult to be watching this and understanding it in real time. It is one of those moments where you can see where a saying like ignorance is bliss comes from. But now we're in a situation where the world's information and the ability to exchange information is at our fingertips. So this is not ignorance that there used to be sort of a permission slip or an excuse that somebody didn't know something. We're now in a world where you can know anything. And so the fact that people are in ignorance, now it moves into the category of willful ignorance. I mean, they are being purposefully ignorant because it feels better. Words become very general during a pandemic and the worse it gets, we're going to find we're going to just be using large descriptors. And that's the way predators get away with all kinds of stuff because we stop using their names. We talk about, you know, the CDC. Well, I don't know enough people at the CDC to hold them accountable, but I can certainly hold Rochelle Walensky accountable for the death she's already caused and for the fact that she and others will now declare murder on infants. For every single day that moves forward now from this point on with the CDC and the FDA, move ahead and the world follows to start vaccinating these babies with this biological weapon, that is murder. I cannot possibly overstate that concluding comment made by Dr. Tal Brown on June 17th, Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson Show. And that murder of children is accompanied by child abuse, which is the kindest term that I can possibly apply to this despicable advertisement by Pfizer. 
getting ready to fight COVID. All of us want to be superheroes. And the most important heroes are those that help others. This year, thousands of kids like us around the world joined the COVID-19 vaccine trial. Kid power. And when they did, they became all superheroes. Ah! To all the kids who volunteered, we'd like to say... Thank you for sharing your superpowers of... Courage. Trying new things. The ability to save people. The power to help people. Helping not just um, yourself, but many other kids. To not be scared. Be strong. Super brave. Bravery and courage. A superhero shot. Helping everybody. Fight coronavirus and help others. You're helping the whole entire world. Thank you. You are all superheroes. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, superheroes. Thank you. You're awesome. This is child abuse on a scale unimaginable. No ad like this should ever be targeted towards children. You know, I remember when ads that promoted toys were deemed inappropriate and inadmissible by CRTC regulations. Children cannot consent. They are incapable of being properly informed, and Pfizer's being no different than a child molester or rapist who entices young kids with candies or promises of some wonderful reward. This is unforgivable, immoral, and criminal. The very concept of a vaccine, which no child can possibly comprehend, is being totally violated by this ad, suggesting that a person who's vaccinated is getting it for other people. That's not how any vaccine works or ever has. In other words, this is not a vaccine. And just listen to the message. The same message persistently pushed by tyrannies and dictators everywhere. Not a single word relating to any medical reasons for taking the jab. No, it's all altruism and virtue signaling. Oh, you're helping the whole and entire world. You know, if anybody believes that, yes, they are stupid. I don't want any kids out there believing that they are sacrificing themselves for me because I know different and I can't live with that kind of guilt. The kids who are forced to take these jabs are victims of Big Pharma's predators. Predators who want to kill the whole world with their depopulation by vaccination agendas. By their own words, we know them. Surrealistic doesn't even begin to describe it. I wish I could offer a cure to those who have taken a so-called COVID injection, and I hope that one shows up on the horizon that we can offer a cure against the never-ending political injections which lie, both figuratively and literally, at the heart of the COVID fraud, and against which we will continue to offer a natural immunity when you join us again next week, when we continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. To black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be alright I hope you guys are good I hope you had a good pandemic Alright <laughs> I hope you had a good one man It was strange I want you to be good man Cause it's First of all COVID was weird Wasn't it? We can admit that COVID was strange We got a little data now You can figure it out To me I kind of realized that COVID is uh, Kind of like fashion You know <laughs> 
COVID was like fashion. You started hearing about it in Italy. <laughs> Picked up big in New York and LA. <laughs> Florida ignored it. <laughs> And it turns out all that shit comes from China anyway, so who cares, right? That's it. <laughs> <laughs>